You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, we are back this week, and we have a great one for you, folks. We are going to be talking about movies we regret watching. Everyone's had one, or two, or three, or four. You know, there's been movies you just get through and go, well, that's two hours of my life I will never get back. And those who with kids know that one really well. There's certain kids' movies that you're watching and you go... I can't believe the kids are liking this one. But, you know, there's things that I watch that other people might hate or other people are waiting for it. So it's actually pretty cool. So the man who likes everything he watches is here with me tonight. I want to hear what Mike Gordon has to say. How are you, sir? Howdy. That's what I have to say. That's what you have to say. Well, if you could put a howdy stamp on every movie you watch... That's okay. There's, that means there's good things in the world. Movies should be so lucky uh, that there's a howdy stamp for them. Um, a st- howdy stamp of approval. Exactly. You know, what, what does it say? It gives you the howdy stamp of approval. That, should be, right. our new, that should be a new page on our website. What movies have gotten the howdy <laughs> sign of approval? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so, you know, regrets. I've but a few. Are we facing the final curtain? Is that what we're doing here? Mm, you never know. What? What's going have... on here? Is it all of a sudden it got dark? <laughs> just don't go to the light, Mikey. Just don't go to the light. Maybe it's just the the station lighting on a fr- on the fritz. Hopefully, mm, uh, well, exactly. Got to get JD on that. We'll get JD to work out on it. You know, that should take about a week or two to fix. <laughs> if that's the case, but you definitely would love to hear from you guys too. Please let us know what movies you know have you regretted watching. You know, please write us. Feedback at earthstation1.com. Definitely would love to hear from you guys. Tell us what you think. You know, was there something that, you know, you just sat there in the theater after it was over going, wow. Or could you just not wait to get out of that seat? I know there's been a couple movies that way. That's like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm not going to wait to see if there's an after credit scene or anything. It was just that bad. I'm going to be curious to hear from you guys and see what you guys have to say. And speaking of saying things, we definitely would love to hear from you and have you guys leave feedback for us. Please do by just going to any favorite podcast host and going, Earth Station One, let's give them five stars. These guys are great. We love them. They're awesome. I would really like to see people say that. That would be pretty darn awesome. But you can leave feedback and you can also rate us anywhere fine podcasts are found. Earth Station One is there, just along with those fine shows. It's pretty awesome. Of course, tonight's show is also brought to you by the fine folks at Tofosi Optics. Tofosi Optics is here. Spring is here. Easter is here, folks. And you know what? Why not get a cool pair of Easter sunglasses? Go for the yellow frames with the purple lenses. Look like a peep. That would be just awesome. And Tofosi Optics has that. And you can actually get any colors com- combination from Tifosi Optics. Sunglasses that you couldn't even believe. Tifosi Optics has it. All different options. They have prescription lenses. They have 
blue light blocking lenses. They even have safety glasses. You can get them all at Tifosi Optics. And as a special thank you for listening to Earth Station One and Tifosi Optics saying thank you. You could put a coupon of Earth Station One in the coupon code and you get 10% off your order. And we have actually had quite a few orders as of late. So thank you, thank you, everybody who has been ordering. Just remember, TifosiOptics.com. They do sunglasses right. And now we're here with our new friend, Aubrey Logan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Welcome to the station. We are happy to have you here. Yay. I can't wait to get into it with you guys. You guys ask pretty pretty dope questions, so I'm ready. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. Um, uh, I think well, she's we'll been start... reading the wrong script. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. You know. <laughs> well, well, we'll start with an easy one. Uh, for those people who may not be familiar with you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, well, I'm a jazz pop artist. I'm a singer, but uh, for about 20% of all my shows, I'm playing the trombone. So I'm kind of your friendly neighborhood trombone playing singer-songwriter. And uh, yeah, I've I've grown up in music, so I grew up in the Seattle area. I was just talking to the other Mike about it before we started here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in musical theater, picked up a trombone when I was a teenager, fused together like the whole jazz with pop thing my whole teenage years um it performed as often as i could got to some jazz festivals early on and and um went to berkeley college of music uh did did the american idol thing i've been touring the world um in an iteration um of my own band for you know the past better part of a decade now Mm -hmm. and uh made i'm on on album number three which i hope we can get a chance to chat about and i've also had the opportunity to perform with a group called Postmodern Jukebox. I've toured also extensively with the with Dave Cause. Um, and I, you know, so I, I don't really fit in in one of those spaces, but they sure let me come to the parties. So that's me. Um, and uh, I, I hope that I can, I'm, the, I'm a jazz artist for people who don't like jazz. Oh, really? Okay, well, we'll start there. Why, what, why do you call yourself that? Because who doesn't well, like jazz, right? Well, let's start with the fact that I don't really like jazz. No, I do. But I say the reason I say that the reason I say that is because so often you'll you'll go to a jazz club and hear absolute prodigies. I mean, not just prodigies, but people who've worked their whole lives to master their instrument, just masterful musicians. And and, you know, for the majority of the show, they're not looking at you. They don't act like they care that there's an audience in there and they're playing a bunch of notes. Now, trust me, I'm big. I I'm could do the same and and I want to do the same sometimes and just play for for my own sake but they're they're I also was raised by by parents who knew who knew the value of putting on a show not just playing music and I I hope to fuse the two together so um a, a lot of the time it, and and I say that about the best musicians in the world who who I think are brilliant um but it's amazing that you can have such brilliance and um, be playing some of the most sophisticated music on earth and somehow an audience is still left um, talking to each other and um, and thinking of it as background music. So my, my, my hope is that that's not what my shows are leaving people with, uh, even though I'd, as, I'd love to just practice for myself as much as the next guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, when was it apparent for you or when was it a calling for you that music was going to be more than just like, you know, a hobby or something you did like, you know, in your spare time? Um, I didn't have any other hobbies or any other interests. And I think that's probably so. So I don't know a time and a place necessarily. Um, 
I do know that, that I liked, I liked to read books. I liked as a kid, I liked to do other things, you know, when I would be resting, when I would be taking a break from practicing music. Um, I, there were times when I enjoyed a little bit of gymnastics, a little bit of, so obviously socializing with my friends and, and doing what I had to do to do well in school. Other than that, there wasn't much I did besides music. There wasn't much I filled my time with. So I'm not sure that there was ever anything else I was going to do. Um, there was, my mom likes to talk about a time when I was six years old and um, she would put me to bed or I'd go to bed and, and she heard me crying in my room. Um, and I do, I do remember having these thoughts. So I know she's telling me the truth. I don't remember this exact incident, but she came in my room when I was crying and asked me why I was crying. And I just said, mom, I was very overwhelmed in my little head, laying in bed, trying to sleep. I said, mom, I don't know where I'm going to get a band. I don't know who I'm going to hire to play bass, drums, and piano. I don't know how I'm going to find the budget for this. I don't know anybody who can play my songs. I need to learn how to arrange. I don't know who's going to drive the bus. I don't know what we're going to do. And I think it was at that point, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) At six. It was, yeah. And I, you were wondering who's going to drive the bus. I was wondering everything. It all seemed very overwhelming. I wanted to do it so badly, but the people I would see playing music, it looked as if there was a lot involved. Turns out there is. And uh, I'm still crying. I'm still crying in the middle of the night with those same exact... You're still trying to figure out who's going to drive the bus. So it's a little more It's a little more sophisticated this time. Like, how are we going to pay for this? But it's the same tears. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um... Uh, sort of fast forwarding to sort of now, like how have things been for you, you know, over the past year and stuff? I know for most artists, it's been kind of a rough time. I mean, it it has been pretty devastating for the whole music industry. Um, I, I did oddly enough schedule before I knew what COVID-19 was before anybody knew what it was. I had scheduled a predetermined break from March to June, 2020. And obviously I just didn't think, that it would continue after June. <laughs> yeah, you, so, you didn't say you, which, which June it would end in, right? Right. I didn't know which, exactly. I didn't know which June we were talking about. So um, I ended up, uh, when it all happened, when it all went went down, you know, I would just talk with friends of mine all the time on on text and on WhatsApp and whatever and just be like, how are you guys doing? How are you holding up? Um, so I think some of the biggest weight on me and the biggest sadness has kind of been a collective uh, sadness between, you know, all the people involved in music and all the people involved in live shows and everybody who it affects, um, which is a big, you know, chain reaction. So for me, I'm, I mean, I'm okay. I am, I am, my husband and I are good. We planned a move, a a big move in the middle of this. Um, it was oddly easier to move, excuse me, when you aren't on the road constantly, it's easier to pack up boxes, turns out. Um, so I took advantage of the difficult and bad situation as best I could. And I think a lot of musicians have done the same because it's just what artists do. It's just what artists are like. They'll find a way through it and they'll feel all the feelings, um, myself included, but they will find a way to persevere. Um, I still believe that music is a uh, thing that, is appropriate for all seasons because it's multifaceted and I've been blessed enough to have benefited, you know, on the receiving end of that from 
a lot of my friends and contemporaries who are going through this as well. Um, I did this a little backwards. I know that many people, as soon as the shutdown hit, I know many people immediately made new albums, just immediately went to the recording studio and like, I have time to do this now. I did nothing. I, I practiced and packed up a house. Um, and looked for a new house and all that. So I did absolutely nothing. Um, I moved to a new state and it ended up working out. Now I'm later in the game. I made a new album in December and it comes out, you know, in May. So I'm late and it might've worked out okay for me timing wise. Um, because maybe, maybe I'm not releasing an album at the same time as everybody, or maybe I am. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but <laughs> I think so. Uh, well, and speaking of that, so the new album is is called Standard. Is that correct? Standard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, tell us uh, the inspiration behind it. I know that I know from experience that you know working putting the album together is a very unique experience, especially from from compared to like playing live, right? So. It, it takes a different set of skills, right? And a different sort of inspiration. So what, what went into this one? Um, it differs from the first two in that for the most, the album is called standard and it's an album full of standards. So I've never done that. And I know that a lot of folks out there who do know me, know me as a jazz artist and I have these pop R and B driven albums with a lot of jazz influence, but I've never really made a jazz album. <laughs> so, um, the reason I made it is because it was just time for me to make a jazz album. And um, I'm in a new town with new musicians and surrounded by, well, a, a half shut downtown with new musicians kind of going, okay, what can I do now to get to know people and just make something I'm really proud of? And so it was like, well, I'm going to make a album of standards. Now, um, as far as playing live and recording an album, I've never really separated the two in my head. Um, I'm a little bit like I was born in the wrong decade. I kind of do albums like the way they did in the forties where you perform them live, um, test them out on audiences and then record them. And then when you record them, you record them in one take and you don't overdub and you have actual people in the room. So that's how I did this as well. And that's kind of how I've always done it. Um, a bit old school. So, and as, you know, traditional jazz as it gets is this album as, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, that was the inspiration. Now I will say that, and those of the people who've like known me for a long time and been following me for a while know that when I do a cover song, which I hesitate to even say I'm a tribute, you know, a song by someone else, um, I turn it on its head as much as I can without losing its integrity. Because if it's a good song, it's a good song. End of story. Um, so this album is, is while it is a jazz album, not every standard on standard is a jazz standard. Um, there are some pop standards. There are some, I consider Stevie Nicks um, a person who wrote standards just as much as Cole Porter. You know, I consider um, Giochino Rossini just as much a standard in writer in the opera world as Gershwin in the jazz world. So there are, there is an opera standard and I did it in a jazz arrangement, which I've done before. And there's, um, a pl- plenty of pop standards. There's, um, some Jimmy Webb, there's some, you know, and then there's just like Nan- some Nancy Wilson hits, you know, stuff like that, that we all love and we all know. 
Um, so that that's the mixture. There's whereas my other albums had like ten originals and two covers. This is the flip. This album actually has ten covers and two originals. But the originals, the two originals are one is me trying to write a Cole Porter tune, essentially, and then the other one is um, a song that I did on my first album as this like '80s pop power thing and i turned it into a jazz thing so that's standard <laughs> <laughs> well and then that's that's the our sort of fun and uh, thing that you can toy around with because with standards there seems to be you know with songs that are well known there's sort of a a tendency at sometimes to try to keep it oh i don't know what the word is authentic uh you know as well as opposed to you know putting your own spin on it so there's sort of a um, uh, a combination uh, i would say right At i feel like there? yeah i feel like the um integrity and the authenticity comes from whether or not you believe what it is you're singing and whether or not you really can relate so it's why i love john mayer's covers of you know free fallen because i believe he believes every word he's singing and that it's coming from a real place and he's actually giving such a high compliment to the original author, you know? So um, that's what I hope to achieve with this. Yeah. And it's something that also I, I experienced nine times out of 10, whenever I hear, you know, that, that band postmodern jukebox do uh, a cover of something, right. It seems like on the one hand that it's their own sort of style on it, their own, a different arrangement than you're used to, but yet, the core of the song and you know, the authenticity, as you said, is is usually there. Agreed. I mean, there is, and and everybody loves a good ballad, a good sad ballad, and and there's that's important, and we all are we're going to have those forever. But when you speaking of someone like Postmodern Jukebox, who are friends of mine, you know, not every song's meaning is sad, cry, cry. Some songs, the meaning is just, let's party, let's have fun. And you can be just as authentic with that as you can with, since my baby left me, I'm going to Heartbreak Hotel. You know what I'm saying? Right. So like, it, it, there, there's, um, the authenticity truly is from what the expression of the music. I mean, human beings are perceptive enough to know the difference between, hi, or hi. You know, I, I, we all know... If it's genuine or not. <laughs> so so the details on the new album, uh, just to get that out of the way for you, uh, two singles have been released. Is that correct? That's right. So we're in Mar we're at the end of March here, almost April, April, if people are listening to us. But yeah, two singles have been released um, on the sunny side of the street was released in February and um, dreams was released this week, which is the stevie nicks cover mm -hmm. and um, but a lot of fun a lot of fun thank you thank you and i know that um folks were like play more trombone which i i think i play plenty but i am happy to hear that people want more and so it was time to do an instrumental thing and that's what dreams is with just some very fun backup vocals in there <laughs> and then uh Sorry, Mike. No, I was just going to say, we got to preview some of the songs already, and it's just amazing, and you. your version of Dreams is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 
So is the is the album the rest of the album is it done? Is it ready and just yeah. going to be yeah, released? You know. Yeah. So the third single comes out on April twenty second. Okay. And that will be the cover of my own song. <laughs> uh, that's Louboutins, and that's the reason it's on standard is kind of for the OG fans who <laughs> have been with me since the beginning. They all really like that song, and um, if people are new to me, they won't know it. But though this is really for them, um, and it's it's flipped on its head, done in a very jazz style um one take thing and i really like how it turned out i wrote it with pam shane who wrote the song genie in a bottle yep and um and patricio moy and the the album the full album is available may 21st may 21st yes all right well we will definitely have links to all of that so that people can check it out uh mike i i think she's ready for the for the for the grilling Oh, of grilling. course she is. Yeah, <laughs> for the, for the yeah, real yeah. grilling, grilling for this the is real grilling. This is yeah. the easy stuff. Yeah, before, just, yeah. You know. people can't see me like warming up, and cracking my knuckles, but I'm ready. <laughs> oh yeah, she is so ready. When we told her about the geeks, she she, she said, "Bring it on! I'm a pro. Come on, you know." Kind of. I mean, I'm a geek with only very few things. <laughs> but you could be a geek about anything, though. That's the wonderful thing that we keep on telling people. I had you to could... ask my husband what I'm a geek about, and he had to give me some ideas. But yeah, I'm ready. Well, the great thing she, about she's it so is, deep into her if she doesn't she answer to, she all, an all music, you know, I'm going to be worried about this. You know, is this a is this a Google is this an open book Google test? <laughs> <laughs> she only wishes it was an open book, right? Book. You know, I used to say that in class, and my teacher would just roll his eyes at me. You know, oh man, all right, hit me. All right, Aubrey, what was your favorite geek out moment? My favorite geek out moment. Um, yeah. was probably when I showed up at some, um, oh, it was when I was in Sweden and I showed up at some meet and greet with fans and I was, um, greeted by a fan who played the trombone and did CrossFit, which is something I do both of as well. And we were both able to talk about, our back squat and our deadlift and our Fran time and our pull-up, max pull-up effort and a bunch of trombone things. That is awesome. It takes yeah. a lot of talent to do CrossFit and trombone at the same time. It's pretty I'm awesome. I'm not sure that I've done it at the same time. There is a guy on Instagram I've just, it's just I've discovered who does like GHD sit-ups and plays the trombone at the same time with good tone. So I'm kind of like, "Mm, wow. Okay. Now that's impressive. (laughs) I I was impressed. What was your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh man. My most disappointing geek out moment was probably when I um, thought I knew everything about how to cook a good steak and, I get to and I get to France and I realize I'm sorely, sorely, you know, I don't know my entrecote as well as I thought I did. I didn't know. I didn't know how long to cook it and how many methods there were. And I learned about a sous vide. I mean, there, it's steak and barbells. That's oh, where yeah. I geek. Yeah, that's OK. That's yeah. totally cool. Mm. It's pretty darn awesome. Thanks. So when you went to France, it just knocked you down a couple notches. It knocked me right down. There. I yeah. wasn't as geeky as I thought I was. And then I, I'm taking notes. Okay. That's good. Yeah. You learn from your mistakes. It's awesome. I try. Yeah. Most people do. That's good. What geeks you out the most? What geeks me out the most? Yeah. <gasps> when I can't sleep at night and I'm lying in bed and I play, try to play a game with my husband called Let's Random Google. <laughs> <laughs> and he just wants to go to sleep. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, why do rabbits have so many babies? Let's look it up. And I try to look it up. And then, and then I'll have to find out that something that it happens, something happens in the springtime. And then I have to learn. And then my mind goes, well, what, a, why does the moon wax and wane at certain times of the, and then I have to go and spin out that. So I geek out on random information that I don't need. No, it's totally understandable. That's a good thing. And then probably in the middle of the night when you go, honey, honey, let's Google, let's Google. And he's oh. like, again. <laughs> I try to make him read a paragraph when we switch, but it lasts about one paragraph. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I could see that. Mm -hmm. I totally understand. <laughs> what turns your geek off? I, I, I say this in love. I say this in complete love. My when my dad out geeks me, it turns really? my geek off. Yeah, when my father out geeks me, and he wants to keep talking about something more useless information, I'm like, okay, man, I'm annoying because I know where I get this from. Yeah. I understand mm. completely. <laughs> what fictional character would you like to meet the most? Which who character? Which fictional character would you like oh. to meet the most? Oh, I w I um. I would like to meet Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia. I'd really like to meet that lion. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd like to meet him. Hope he wouldn't kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what fictional character would you not like to meet? Ursula from The Little Mermaid because it's uh, it's some childhood memories there that that truly are nightmares. Um I used to sing along to the little mermaid as every millennial girl ever did. Of and uh, yeah. And when she would sing poor, unfortunate souls in pain and need, and she would, she would sing, um, they used to, there's a line she sung called, they used to call me well, a witch. And I swore her name was Wella, Witch, W E L L A witch. And I used to say, mom, I never want to meet Wella Witch. I hope, is this the part where Wella Witch comes? Because I really, I need to like get a blanket for this one. I don't want to meet her. She's just, no. Okay. Toxic, well, you know. I totally understand. And it's actually based off of a true person. So it's pretty interesting. I'm sure it is. Okay. Most characters you'll, you'll have to are. geek. You'll have to tell me the geek about that. Yeah. All right. I will. <laughs> off the air we will. We'll, we'll Google okay. it later. Great. We'll do that. And then we'll geek about music later. It's cool. <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? My favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose. Yes. Would be, are you using a trigger or an F attachment, bro? Which is oh. just trombone talk for awesome. what kind of trombone are you using and why? And my answer is always nope. Playing a simple tenor because I don't need those. I don't need to, those buttons to play the trombone. That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> this one I already know is what is your ideal geek occupation? I think you're pretty much doing it. Yeah, I pretty much picked up the trombone because I wanted to fit in. Really? No, not at all. <laughs> I, was I didn't say, think. I was like, so. I was like <laughs> sarcasm alert. Sarcasm alert. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, she's from the Pacific Northwest. There is no sarcasm up there. Yeah, they, they, yeah, tr you're right. Oh, my yeah. gosh. No wonder it took me a while to learn. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> what geek occupation would you not like to do? I would not like to be involved in any sort of math or, or teaching math or doing math or, or yeah, that, that would be, I, I don't think I would enjoy that at all. It just sounds like all I would be doing would be shutting people down for their, you know, for being wrong all the time, which probably already do that enough. Okay. I could see mm-hmm. you've done it a couple times here on the show, so it's okay. <laughs> 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 What is your ultimate geek fantasy? This is your final question. So this is for all the marbles right here. My ultimate geek fantasy would honestly be not that not that I would ever be invited because I'm not good enough to do the athletic part. But if I were allowed to sing the national anthem at a weightlifting meet for like the best weightlifters in the world... Um, just to be in their presence and watch them compete, but not have to compete myself because I never want to train that hard and geek out that hard. I would really like to sing the national anthem at, um, an Olympic weightlifting meet. That would be awesome. Actually, that is one of the best ones I've heard. That's pretty awesome. It's original. This is good. This is good. (laughs) Well, Aubrey Logan, I got some great news for you. I'm ready. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young lady what she's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $68.14. Hey, we've gone up. Awesome. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, having having a musician on will actually help that a lot. I'm so excited. So, and we are excited to have you with us. Thank you so much. Um, for those people who want to find out more about the album, want to find out more about what you're doing, certainly when you're doing live shows again, what, how can they follow you? Where can they go? So we are doing an album release concert every, or a single release concert every single month as the singles are being released, and it is live streamed. So you can find out about that at AubreyLogan.com, A-U-B-R-E-Y-L-O-G-A-N.com. And we're doing it on a platform called Veeps, where you are V-E-E-P-S. You um, can purchase a on-demand ticket. You can watch it live, or you can like watch the replay later with with that with that ticket. So um, it's been really really fun. And there's you know you know it's like going to a concert on. It's like watching an American Bandstand, you know, in the fifties <laughs> with your family on the couch. Um, we're bringing that back with this COVID thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we can bring a lot of things back after this, right? Like, uh, we can, agreed. We can, I'm ready. We can we can all see you in person and yep. and check out the tour, right? And the, absolutely, and that website will take you there too. Awesome, awesome, Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you both. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment with some of the movies we've most regretted to watch. And it's going to be a <laughs> lot of those. It's going to be a lot of those tonight. <laughs> Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. Queen continues to make musical history. Bohemian Rhapsody in particular continues to make musical history. This year will mark its 46th anniversary and the song was just officially certified Diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America, which means 10 million or more in sales and stream equivalents in the U.S., Queen is the first British band in music history to earn the Diamond Song Award. And speaking of awards and honors, 
Every year, the Librarian of Congress picks 25 recordings that are, quote-unquote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and are at least 10 years old. And these songs are included in the National Recording Registry. Uh, they've just chosen this year's titles, and they include Louis Armstrong's When the Saints Go Marching In, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814, uh, Lady Marmalade by LaBelle, uh, Illmatic by Nas, Celebration by Cool and the Gang, and in a, a first recording by a felt frog, Kermit the Frog's Rainbow Connection. And I don't think there's any argument at all that two of the best things in life are ice cream and Dolly Parton. And starting April 8th, you can get Dolly's own ice cream flavor from Jenny's Ice Cream, which you can pick up at your favorite local grocery emporium. Uh, the flavor is layers of pretzel streusel, cream cheese ice cream, and lipstick red strawberry sauce. Sales of the flavor will benefit Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, which of course is her book gifting program that gives free books to kids uh, from their birth to age five. Good stuff happens in the world, especially when Dolly Parton's involved. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. Check out the blog at esonetwork.com and also at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. That's all for this week, and we'll catch you next time. Hey, everyone. This is George Tripsis, co-host from the Metal Geeks podcast, along with Carrie the Metal Geek and Brutal Dave. Our show is where we bring the metal geek culture and heavy metal culture and mash it into the geek culture. Come listen to our show where we talk about movies, comic books, Disney stuff, and mostly about movies where I'm always right and Carrie's never right. Check us out at MetalGeeks.net. You can catch us on all your ear hole listening podcast devices. I'm Carrie the Metal Geek, and I approve this message. Welcome back, and now let's say hi to our sponsor, NSC Live TV. That's right, NSCLiveTV.com is the premier site for finding live auctions or comic book news. No more surfing countless hours trying to find live auctions or comic book shops that carry the age or type of comics or vintage toys you're into. You can always check out NSCLiveTV.com. That's right, nsclivetv.com is your site for all things comics. All right, guys, let's jump in now, and we have a great topic for you this week. This is going to be a fun one, because I'm sure there's going to be a couple yelling matches, one or two tonight, you know, with what we're going to say. So we're going to be talking about movies we regret watching. So, Mr. Mike, take it away. Yes, the topic is uh, movies that we would, yeah, regret watching, rather we didn't watch ever give money to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, of course, we're talking movies. So we got one half of our movie crew with us. Alex is back with us this week. Uh, howdy, sir. Hey, how you doing, man? All right, and yourself? I'm good. This is like the truth. This is like uh, episode two for me. Uh, <laughs> I, next, I, week is, next week is our Return of the Kings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Uh, this is the uh, non-extended version, though, so don't worry. Oh, thank God. That's yeah. so much walking. Yeah, not directed by Peter Jackson, so you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have with us uh, filmmaker uh, Adrian Powers is back with us. Hi, guys. Good to be back. Good to have you with us as well. Uh, we kind. will. Uh, so, um, is that, uh, yeah, so hopefully, yeah, none of your movies will be on this. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh crap! I'm just shocked he's talking to us after the geek seat segment. So. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's like comic books. I I dare say I never want to see any of the comic books that I've ever worked on in the 25 cent bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think maybe so, one of my own movies was on my own list for a little while, but then something else edged it off. So. Well, I can understand that. Certainly, you know, <laughs> you spend time with a movie, and all of a sudden, you're, the last thing you want to do is see watch that movie again. Yeah, uh, I get it. Exactly. I get it. I get it. Uh, we also have with us uh, a new friend. Uh, Don Smith is with us. Welcome, Don. What's happening? What's happening? I, I will say, I would uh, I would be honored to see some of the. Uh, some of the movies I've acted in over the years to be on these lists, I would be <laughs> just shocked that you've seen them. So <laughs> awesome, awesome! Uh, since you're new to the show, for those people who may not be familiar with what you do, what uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a, a actor, a producer, stand-up comedian, a former radio show host, and uh, still, I guess, part owner of Wiley's Comedy Club here in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, started performing comedy several years ago, got into uh, filmmaking and acting and just uh, never looked back. And up until about a week or so ago, I was the host of the Life Radio Show on WWSU 106.9 in Dayton, Ohio, which uh, had a six-year run. And finally, I said, that's enough of this crap. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that will be the sentiment uh, as we talk about our movies this week. Uh, Alex and and uh, nice vacation for you because you don't have to do a box office report. Although certainly, if you want to talk about the box offices of any of these movies, you're welcome to do so. No, I'm good. <laughs> I think. <figured, laughs> I figured. All right. So the topic is movies we regret watching. Uh, obviously, this is a very personal uh, point of view, um, and uh, we don't want to, you know, mean to, to to offend anybody sir, to be sure. But yet, there are some ones that. Uh, Look, I don't have a lot of regrets in my life, so I don't usually harp on on bad things. But there are legitimately times I will admit that there uh, that I, I could have spent that money better. Um, and uh, um, so I, I will actually start here, um, and uh, uh, because I'm just going to throw it right out there, um, and I I regret uh, that I ever spent any money on any of the Transformers movies. Oh. <laughs> you mean the michael bay ones i i i stopped after the second one uh you're you're adding in the animated from 1986 if you do that well okay that's true that's true i'm i'm talking about the live action one okay fair enough with the fair enough and i almost i'll be honest with you i almost thought of widening it up to see like any michael bay movies um but i had to I had Except to dial podcast, that back. Just about Michael Bay. Let's put it on the docket, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's something that, uh, yeah. Um, uh, but even I have to admit that there are certain uh, Michael Bay movies that I, I do enjoy watching. But the, the Transformers movies, um, the live action ones in particular, um, and because I was, I was a kid that never really got into the Transformers anyway. I think it was a little bit uh, after my, like, time where I was... Uh, uh, would have been uh, primed for that sort of thing and, when I was a kid. But, um, I mean, I like big robots as much as the next person, but um, I just never got into Transformers per se. And uh, so I'm going to, yeah, I just throw the gauntlet right out there. And uh, I watched the first couple of movies. Maybe maybe I saw the third one, but I, I just said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I cannot I cannot do this anymore. 
and uh, I have decided not to uh, give them any more of my money. So, so I don't know if anybody else. I saw like some, you know, people can't see visually what the response is, but yeah, some people kind of were taken aback by that, and so I, I feel like um uh you know uh, uh the transformers movies did not steal your childhood i'd say right is that, is that fair for some of you i i i gotta lead this uh first first of all i mean obviously those movies are terrible like you know it, <laughs> when i and i am so, so i was i was born i'm a baby i was born in 86 so I totally grew up with the Transformers like cartoons and, and all that. So loved it, loved Optimus Prime. It's just Robot Superman. And um, when those first movies came out, I was like, this is, the, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, and people loved that first one. And I'm like, they're peeing on John Turturro. Like, what is going on? This is so <laughs> bad. And then I just went, nope, and didn't watch any of them. And... But I tell you, man, if you go back to them with an with a with a bit of booze and, and a healthy dose of irony, they're pretty funny to laugh at. The fourth one, let me tell you, the fourth one with Mark Wahlberg, it's probably the best of the bunch. I tell you, mm. Mm. when he delivers the iconic line, I think we found a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, like the, oh my god, from uh, from you know, oh, his name escapes me. But yeah, there's some there's some iconic deliveries in that movie. Jeez. It takes the fourth movie to find out. Oh, that's why they're called that. Yeah, <laughs> that's how the movie. Yeah, has got its title. I kind of, I kind of grew up with the Transformers, but I just didn't care. I, I, I <laughs> by the time the movies came out, I was like, I don't care. I guess nostalgia Valid. makes a lot of us makes a lot of people want to make those kind of movies and makes a lot of people really love them. And I just didn't care enough. I think I've watched parts of one or two of them and just wasn't interesting to me. Yeah. I don't think they're, they're, a little, you over. they're a little rough. Yeah. They're, they're a little rough. I mean, I like big bots and I cannot lie, but um, I it just, I, it was, it was the wrong director who was more about explosions than actually giving us what we wanted which was quality fighting between giant robots, um, which is why I enjoyed Pacific Rim so much, um, or even Robot Shocks. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, what about Real Steel? You got any thoughts on Real Steel? Love Real Steel. Love Real Steel. How good? Is Real love Steel? Real Steel. I think I think the story is phenomenal. It's really and sweet. I, and uh, uh, yeah, because it, 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 there's real heart to it. And um, so let's just talk about that for an hour. Um, <laughs> And, but but I love the fact that the fighting was all choreographed by Sugar Ray Leonard. Gorgeous. Um, whereas you know the Transformers movie was done by <laughs> throwing a bunch of toys into a box and shaking it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Everything. A yes to all of the above. But I just want to say oh, yeah. that again, if you just you go into them now with a healthy dose of irony and go, how bad are these? You'll you you know I don't know. Get drunk. You want to go, you want to approach it like a mystery science theater three thousand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do that. That, like, that makes I, sense. I can't yeah. even do that with these. I mean, I, look, I <laughs> I can I I watch bad movies. I watch campy movies. I've got guilty pleasures. I think we've done guilty pleasures on this show before. Um, oh yeah. But I just couldn't find anything of value there. So uh, that's just me. Um, so <laughs> well, that's what, um, that's what kept me away from Bumblebee because of you know. The whole reputation and everything. Then apparently, there are yeah, there are franchises that now, no matter how good they're going to be, I think I'll just I, I've tapped out. I've tapped out. Yeah. So we'll probably uh, you know I don't understand how they make you know that's the thing about it too. It's like this you know everybody says 
the first one's crap or whatever, or they're notable, but they make so much money. You know, they make so much money. It's it. People have to like it, but even if they don't want to admit it. But it was, you know, like going to see those movies in the cinema, like people are laughing at those. Like they're like, you know, they're, it's schlock, right? And people just go because they're, you know, they're going to the movies. Like, I don't, I don't think that era exists anymore now, right? Like now we're in a totally different era because of COVID and everything. But at the time it was just like, we're going to the movies, we'll just go, go see that. We don't even have to pay attention. We just eat our popcorn and just let the colors hit our brains. Oh, I don't know. I think post-COVID is the perfect time for another Transformers yeah. to come out. People are going to be so desperate to get to the movie totally. theater. That's right. Now's the time. <laughs> so, so here's the thing on that. Um, movie theaters wind up selling more tickets to senior citizens mm. for action movies than anybody else. And the reason why is because they don't have to hear the dialogue. Interesting. Right. That's the, yeah, yeah, sure. No, I, this is absolutely true. Yeah, they yeah, go to up. see these movies because they don't have to follow the plot. Yeah. They can just watch things explode and they can watch the car chases, some of which are from other Michael Bay movies, um, and and <laughs> go from there. Yeah, my grandfather, is, it was proof of that. He was watching in balls to the wall, insane stuff till the day he died and was just like, this is yeah. easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we will start. Uh, Don, we'll start with you as far as uh, what other movies uh, do you regret watching? Oh, okay, I, I had a list, but I'm actually going to start off that list. If we're going with big box office, I had one pop into my head, and I cannot stand Christian Bale as Batman. Any Batman with Christian Bale, just uh, there's something about his asthma that drives me insane. I can't. Bad. An asthmatic superhero just, it's bad. I can't get behind. <laughs> I, I'm all for, you know, I'm all for, uh, you know, the, the Americans with Disabilities Act, but an asthmatic superhero, it's uh, just a little strange to me. The most iconic villain of all time was an asthmatic. <laughs> You're going to sit there Touché, and tell sir. me that you can't handle Christian Bale. <laughs> I mean, come on. Maybe, maybe it's just Christian Bale in general. I've never really seen him in anything where I thought, that guy's good. Oh, guys, look, okay. <laughs> you guys are taking my picks left and right. Stop because Terminator <laughs> Salvation. We've got the Christian Bale Batman movies. I still need my list, guys. Like, <laughs> I will say this. The, lo the more I see them, the, the longer time we get. Um, I actually prefer Batman Begins over the Dark Knight. I've said this since day one. Like, um, I, yeah. and like, and that's and that's no slight on anybody. I just think that there's a little more nuance, yeah, in, in Batman Begins. And you might think they're crap, and other people might think they're crap as well. Um, but there are also people who really like the Star Wars prequels. So you know, uh, teach <laughs> their own. I, exactly. I I am definitely one of those weird creatures. I uh, don't care for the Michael Keaton Batman at all. Uh, and Ooh. it almost made my list uh, here tonight Ooh. because uh, uh, I got a bunch of friends. I got a bunch of friends that agree with you. I got a bunch of friends so, that are like you can't uh, pay me I, enough I, I to came, watch those I was one of the few films. people that saw that movie in nineteen. What was it? Eighty nine? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I came out of the theater and I was mad. I was not, yeah. and I'm a big Batman fan, so yeah. uh, that that did not uh, push my button. So production so design. I would have been, production design I would have been mad too. I'm the Bizarro Batman fan. No, all, that, that, all those that, Batman movies. All those, those, oh, yeah. Those, well, the one. Are you thinking of the one with. Uh, I can't think of his name. George Clooney. Right? George Batman. Clooney. Yeah. The, the, the oh, Batman George Clooney as Batman with was the just very like. pronounced nipples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> yes. I'm gonna. Th- well, then, then let me let me just also throw in that perhaps one of I should go ahead and Dark put my Knight entry Rises. in right now for Batman and Robin, oh, yeah. which well, is absolutely yeah. you know, on my I, list. I, I totally agree. Uh, I thought Batman it, Begins was the strongest one of those entries. It's also the one where his voice is the le- least embarrassing. It, it, it yes. is pretty intimidating yeah. in that movie. And in the second one, it's like. It, what like it's and and Ledger, he's a national treasure it's a great performance but it's a it's a long overstuffed slog of a movie and the third one's even worse so mm-hmm. well i did think keith ledger as the joker was f- phenomenal great yeah love yes. it but, so good but yeah so just good. christian bale no <laughs> it was just such odd casting because you've got this guy who was known for knight's tale and 10 things i hate about you and they're like, we're going to make this sex symbol the Joker. And the idea of trying to make the Joker sexy is just Love wrong. It. And they should never do it, Zack Snyder. I knew um, Zack Snyder wow. was going to come and up in this conversation. I was surprised it took this uh, long. So, I was, I, uh, Zack uh, yeah, Snyder's no, name to come great. up in this conversation. I forgot, I, I forgot in my in my greetings to just be like, <laughs> hey, guys, I've just been watching the Snyder Cut and Perpetual Loop, <laughs> so I'm that guy. I'm planting the flag for that. I just thought I it thought, you know, kept Perpetual on going Loop, and going. I haven't stopped watching it. Does it end? <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's interesting because, you know, Batman literally, you know, from Christian Bale's version of Batman – Ben Affleck pretty much picked up almost the same character. And even, why'd you say that name? Why'd you say that name? You know. But at least he had the little voice modulator in the Zack Snyder ones. It wasn't him going himself, which is just bad. Yeah. (laughs) Get that man a lossage. Come on. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Adrian, uh, what's, uh, what's another, well, uh, film that you want to bring up? I am going to, you know, I, I'm just wondering what is the one that I want to, that I want to bring out. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm going to go with the, with a, with a slightly off center choice. I'm going to say, uh, Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight <gasps> is a movie that oh. I, all right, uh, we, uh, I uh, I went and so saw the. We're having interference show. to Australia. Hold on, hold on. No, he's fine. He's, he's joking. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, Australian humor. I was like, that happens. That happens. So I, I was like, hold on. We we went to the I went to the roadshow screening of that in the cinema, like the big full thing, and they gave us this little book, and it's this collectible thing, you know, like in the old days. And there was an intermission, and I walked out in the intermission and just put the little book back on the front desk and just and just left i was like thanks no it's 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 awful no bye wow wow i had the opposite experience well, i thought that's you made your win it halfway through. through that's cool <laughs> <laughs> oh. it was the first half yeah. it was the first half have you watched the <laughs> series thing that he's done have you watched the how he's adapted it into like a four-part yeah. thing on netflix no what do you think of i haven't that? seen that yet I, th- I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really really maybe well i done. should check that out i could also see though hateful eight being put into a stage play also, I think it was originally going to be that, wasn't it? Yeah, and then I think so. Stole it. It got leaked. He mm. got really mad at his agent or something. Yeah, but and Qu- Quentin Tarantino, Quentin and, Tarantino yeah. directing Indeed, a stage play, it'd be like a Gallagher show. You'd want to go with like some trash bags or something to pull because there's going to be blood everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> at least the first couple rows, exactly. Totally, totally. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I might. I, I guess I'm the only one in that camp, and that's not to say I, you know, I'm. I'm a, I've got plenty of Quentin's movies that I like, but, and the funny thing is that was the first movie without his his longtime editor, 
um, and uh, you know, who, who unfortunately passed away. And then it was a new editor, and I kind of feel that that maybe played a part in it from, from an unconscious and way. Maybe for it's me, been but, too long uh, since I've mm-hmm. seen it. I can't yeah, remember. Hopefully. I can't really remember anything great about it, but I can't remember anything that I would have hated about it. And I like a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies, but that's one that I didn't like enough to watch a second time, I guess. So I really don't know. I don't remember mm. that much about it. I cringe when the guitar gets rough. I mean, I've watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mike, uh, what's, your, what's your contribution to this list? Well, I'm going to actually go for Charlie and the Chocolate mm. Factory by Tim Burton. All right, right. Cool. yeah. Uh, that one, right, cool. I I went to the movies because most, like most of us, most of us were fans of the Gene Wilder, you know, Willy Wonka. It, it literally was the very first movie I had ever gone to see when I was a kid in the movie theaters, and it always has a place to me. I've read the books. I read the books to William. Um, as he got older and you know when he was and it was just a lot of fun and when they said tim burton was doing willy wonka basically but he's gonna keep it a little bit more fateful to the books i was like okay i could get i could get for this because he's the perfect man to do the weirdness and the craziness what he gave us was a stinking trash heap i don't even know what my what, I almost called Johnny Depp Michael Jackson in this, you know, because that's pretty much what it felt like. Welcome to Neverland instead. And that's, that's, it was just fripping crazy. It it's was like just, he was going for that. Yeah. Like, oh, that I think the, completely. That I, I like, think he was what? too. Exactly. Yeah, that was a, that's a did weird a whole choice. lot of films right all together in which there was a daddy issue. Mm. And I don't know if he mm. was just working mm-hmm. through some stuff. But that one definitely hits that. And I'll be honest with you. I, I, I know that Adrian was looking at me when I was like shaking my head. Um, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, no lie, scariest movie I've ever seen in my life. And, oh, and, and because, yeah. of, and because of that, I hate the first one? It. I absolutely hate it. That's fair. Oh, what I, the hell? I was horrified. Um, I was horrified when that chicken got its head cut off in the you know, tunnel. Like and all it's this, like, well, it the whole like, ah. scene alone is enough to freak people out. But but the the, yeah. the remake, the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, it, it misses the the darkness factor, and it isn't light enough to be away from the darkness factor. It's just a creepy movie. Yeah. Oh, it's completely that's all that it is. Hundred percent is. When after I got went to see it, I actually had to go pick up the book again to see if there was any daddy issues in the book. Don't remember that. (laughs) Everything I was like, no. Yeah, you you didn't find Christopher Lee in the book, did you? Like Christopher Lee, the (laughs) dentist. To be fair, though, I put Christopher Lee in my movie if I can. Oh yeah, that's a a fair point. That's a fair point. I would have had him play. I had him play Christopher Lee. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, I'm super happy you brought this up because I, 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 first of all, can I officially just change my vote to the Tim Burton, like Child in the Chocolate Factory? That's got to be the winner. I, don't, I like that is absolutely just one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I just want to take just a few seconds just to preach how good the original Gene Wilder film is. It's uh, just from like a storytelling point of view, like, because if you read the Dahl book, which I love and adore, it's great, but it's, 
it's it doesn't really have a story you know what i mean like it's just a bunch of stuff happening and crazy antics and at the end of it it's like hey you're the winner and it's over um but the the original movie's got a plot and a message and a theme and a journey and an arc and it's just so great and so funny and so witty um it's just so brilliant and that burton movie sucks oh yeah we went to go (laughs) see it at the theater and like mike was with batman i walked out pissed and i felt bad because william loved it william was like five or six at the time when it came out and he was like oh dad the oompa loompas would or i should say oompa loompa you know (laughs) and you know but it was just like it was just crazy and i was just like i walked i was so pissed but i had to pretend i wasn't because i didn't want to upset william and it was like good on you what, what, a mean casting decision, what a mean casting decision that was. I'm sure when the, the call went out, there was going to be a remake of Willy Wonka. All the little people Wonka. out there were like, yeah, just we're deep Roy. Work. And then to find out. Just no. deep Roy. Just deep, deep, deep Roy. Lots and lots. Like, what does that mean? Like, what is, what is being said with that? Like, it's so weird. Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. You know, it, you know, we talk about this. And I, look, I never go to a movie or you know when i went to movies or when i or watch a movie with the with the with the idea that it's going to suck you know Agreed. uh there are times where i'm like i'm not sure but i never want to come out hate the movie and usually i can come out with something mm-hmm. uh positive to say about a movie yeah. but there are times when it is a challenge and uh and certainly uh, you know, we've mentioned a lot of great filmmakers here, you know, uh, you know, we've mentioned Christopher Nolan, we've mentioned Quentin Tarantino, we've mentioned Tim Burton, and, uh, you know, um, yeah, Michael Bay, too, but uh, even um, Joel Shoemaker, you know, <laughs> and, and but, you know, uh, sometimes these guys just make bad choices. And I'll never, I don't ever, I never want to, even though question choices, I never want to stop an artist from being ambitious, right? Like, if it's their vision, like, they should be allowed to tell that, but yeah, sometimes it just they just go down the wrong path, and and somebody needs to stop them. Uh, and I'm talking about you, George Lucas, right? So uh, we can we, we, we can get that out we, we can get out. that out of the way now, right? Uh, uh, so uh, Alex, hey, what's something I'm on honestly your list? surprised with this panel of experts <laughs> that we have Here gone comes. this long. <laughs> Without bringing up Highlander oh. Two, the quickening that, that almost that almost oh. made my list. <laughs> it's on mine. It's on mine. This is a movie that, first of all, completely shatters the concept of the Highlanders. Gives us the planet Zeist, which is so bad. One, they made a renegade cut of the film, which cut all of Zeist out. And two, is never mentioned again. Can you believe that they went in and did all the new digital effects for that movie, like as a special edition? Like, I've got that on disc. And I'm like... Yeah, no, no, that's on you, dude. That's on you. Uh, Look, no, no. I hear you, brother. I hear you. But uh, look, I buy literally everything. Even if it's bad, I still want to own it. I still want to buy it. Uh, There are other things I can do with my money, like math. I feel you. I I feel you. I'm a a weirdo. I'm a total weirdo. Um, But yeah. (laughs) What? Exactly. And they bring Sean Connery back from the dead. League of Extraordinary (sighs) Gentlemen is the one that killed his career? No. 
Highlander 2 <laughs> predates that by a long shot. They literally bring him back from the dead, making him more immortal than the immortals. Absolute garbage. Can I, can I, can I raise three parts oh, of the please. movie that are kind of okay? Kind sure. of okay. Um, uh, Ironside. <laughs> okay. He's, yeah. he's kind of fun. It's kind of fun in the movie. Ironside's always, Iron always fun. Ironside's yeah. always, always great. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the scene where they're in the car getting a, a million bullets shot at them and they're just getting eviscerated. And then at the end of it, they get out of the car and they're just kind of counting all their bullet wounds. And the security guys are like, yeah. what the... The scene, I think that's funny. And I think Sean Connery's death scene, which makes no sense and is completely random, still kind of gets me heartstrings going with the amazing grace kind of thing. You could believe in yourself, the cloud. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense at all. But Connery still kind of got me in this scene. It's kind of it. Uh, John C. McGinley was in it. So, I, I mean, there's that. True. And he yeah, gets killed by yeah. Einstein. It's pretty wild. I think actually there's a case to be made that the Highland, the Highlander franchise is one of the worst run yeah, franchises in the history of franchise. You did bring <laughs> up Transformers. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, <laughs> Can we mention the Star Wars sequels? But there's, you know, I, I mean, I think after that first Highlander movie, there's very few. Well, that's that's like, why there can well be only one. That decisions. means don't make a I mean, damn even sequel. Even the series. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Even even the series, which has good moments of it, and I know people love it and everything, uh, still makes no sense yeah, in the context the of any the of the mythology either. that they've laid out. It's bad. The show here's, here's, here's where everything went wrong. No music by Queen. There you go. <laughs> the first movie had music That's by true. Queen. There you go. After that, no Queen, crap films. So I... Let me, well, the, the, the TV series did have the theme bike. It's true. It's true. It's true. Let, let, let so. me tell you, though, guys, I have screened this movie for so many people <laughs> who have never seen it. Just in the home, right? Wait, and, wait. Which, when you're talking about the second one? Uh, okay. Oh, I was going to say, I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> oh, the first movie. Sorry. The, the, the original. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. I apologize. Adrian just doesn't want people that. to come back to visit him. That's why. That's right. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to tell my friends I don't want to see you anymore. Yeah, what, I'm trying to lose friends. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a subtle hint. Did they agree to this? Or what? It's true. Hey, everybody, it's true. I'm going to put I'm a highlighter too. <laughs> The quickening. I just random. <laughs> I just randomly break into people's houses and make them watch Highlander two. Highlander three. That kind um, of a jerk. <laughs> that's also a movie. No, but that first film, you put it on like it's a movie from you know eighty six, and and it's got you know such. A, they're like okay, and as soon as that first frame comes on with that Queen music, they're like cool, and then they're just watching the movie, and it's and you, it plays like a modern movie because it's directed by a music yeah. video director. It's constantly cross cutting, and it's like. This is awesome. And, and at the end of it, there can be only one. It's like, that was great. Have I never watched this movie? And so, had the fabulous Freebirds in it. So watch the first movie yeah. and what then forget ones? the others. What other ones? You know, there's that, that rule that says, like, you know, no matter what you do, you're never going to, like, you know, uh, marginalize or, you know, taint the first one, uh, you know, the first one of anything or whatever, the original, right? It's like, oh, well, no matter what happens after this a remake or sequel, whatever, how bad they are, you always have that original. Well, there are some series where that challenges it. And I think Highlander's one of them. And I'll put out there, I think personally, the no. Matrix series is one of those others. I mean, the, the, Ooh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die on that hill. No. Guys love the Matrix. The, sequels. I, I do not care for the, the, the Matrix sequels. In fact, it, it makes me not 
care about the first one as much either, unfortunately. Ooh. Ooh. I know. When was the last time you watched them, Mike? I just want to ask, when was the last time you watched the other, the second two? Uh, I don't think I've seen the second two since they were in the theater. Let me tell you, brother. I respect <laughs> your opinion, and they're not for everyone, right? But I tell you, it's been like 20 years. Suck them on. I think you'll be surprised. Well, we've got a new one, we've got a new one coming. And I, I tell I, you, I, I think I, you'll watch I, the two, like, and you'll be like, "That's I'm actually optimistic." Great. But and I look visually, I liked a lot of the the sequels. Like there was a lot of to like in the visually. Uh, heck, Monica Bellucci alone visually is worth watching, right? So uh, she's one of the best special effects ever. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I just oh, think man. that, like I said, the, the first one, I felt the same way like I did with the Highlander movies. The first one was special. And then the more they added on, just didn't, it made things a little overly complicated. It it just didn't seem like they had a plan and they just were milking it to me. Um, I feel you. Uh, As, let me tell you something. The Matrix Reloaded is on an order of magnitude better than Highlander 2, the cricketing. <laughs> let me tell you. It's, wow. It's a fact. <laughs> Watching paint dry That's not a high bar. <laughs> like, you know, like that's not a reason to like. Oh, pop that in and waste two and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> that said, I am looking forward to HBO Max's Highlander <laughs> Two Snyder Cut. All eighteen hours of just Sean Connery flying from Scotland to America. Uh, Don, what's another one that you've got on your list? Oh, let's see. Well, since since we talked about the since we started on remakes with the uh, Willy Wonka remake, how about the uh, the producers remake that they made into a musical with Nathan Lane and uh, I can't even remember Matthew Broderick. Yeah, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> not what you want. I loved you it want. on Broadway. Hated the film version. Yeah. yeah, I just I, I the original version with uh, again Gene Wilder and uh, Zero Mostel was fantastic. Absolutely loved it. Agree, uh, agree. And you can Classic. tell Matthew Broderick did too because he mimicked almost everything that Gene Wilder did, only very poorly. Yeah, and I love Broderick, but he's he's out of his element yeah. there, at least in terms of that, you know, like doing that. Well, I, I, I um, love Mel Brooks. I love Mel more. Brooks movies, There's... and when I watched that and I said, he okayed this? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he voices some of the characters in it. What do yeah. you mean? Yeah. Well, you know, we're everybody wants to pick up a check every once in a while. Yeah, know, that's so. true. Yeah. <laughs> the original's still going to oh, be yeah. there. Uh, you, you, you don't remake... A um a right right Gene Wilder film. You just don't do it. I don't know why I lost Gene Wilder's name in there. I've never understood. I've never understood the desire to remake a film without being able to do a better job. If you can't beat the classic, leave it the hell alone. Note to Hollywood. Note to Hollywood. Hands off Haunted Honeymoon. Right, like that's not to get a remake. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. You can't replace the Wild or or, or Radner. You, you're not going to do it. Hey, come on. They've they've yeah, tried to remake uh, Silver Streak a couple times. Uh, I'm glad they didn't do it. Yeah. Have they yeah, really? That right? won't work. They, I'm not. Wow. I'm not kidding by that. And also stir yeah. crazy. Oh, no, no, they yeah. just can't. Especially yeah. when you've got that time period where comedies were allowed to be. 
let's right. say it, it, like, they were allowed to be blazing saddles yeah. and not exactly you know. that's a good call that's a that's a perfect example like a blazing saddles is great guys it still holds up 100 percent. <laughs> it, like it's no it's, no, it's it, true because yeah. it's just like making yeah. fun of the idiots like it's it, 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 it's it's well it's and it's easily still fresh. Fresh. when you saw it in yeah. the cinema it's yeah. It's 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 yeah. just as fresh. Like going out, we saw, I get went and saw it at the movies like six months ago. And wildest bit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, morons. <laughs> like it brought the uh, house down. Like it's it's great. And you know, yeah, I got a lot of oh, thoughts on Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. very much so. Like four months, <laughs> but, yeah. four years ago, yeah. the um, what's the Fox Theater during their summer movie thing? They did a double feature of mm-hmm. Young Frankenstein. And mm. Blazing Saddles. And, oh, it was awesome. Oh. People just yell. It was like seeing Rocky Horror. People were, like, yelling at the screen. Yeah. And then it's, you know, Absolutely. especially, you know, when isn't the ground not quite solid? It's quicksand. <laughs> the audience was yelling it back. <laughs> and it was just awesome. Or near great. lost That'd a $400 handcart. <laughs> 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 well i think that's a yeah well that's a whole other topic too right, i mean i right, think right. tried to tackle that too whereas as far as remakes you know if there's been any times when they've been you know as good as the original and it's very rare yeah. very rare i have a re- Despite- i do have a remake for another remake for my next one do you oh, go ahead God, yes yes um william loved, oh, on william loved this one william loved it he made me watch it at least 10 times with him it was the steve martin remake of the pink panther oh oh i sat there in dread the whole time talk about someone just doing a movie for a paycheck yeah no you can't redo peter sellers either no (laughs) you know i i did i did have a thought the other day though i was actually thinking you know there's been about like what four actors that have been played close over the years Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which is weird to contemplate but um Mm -hmm. uh but i thought you know if i was going to dig out the pink panther franchise i think sasha baron cohen would be actually an interesting choice because he to me is like a modern day peter sellers i could see well yes but i don't that's a pretty good i'm not a fan of his but i can see where you're coming from on that i'm not a fan of sasha baron cohen but i i I'm going to politely disagree, and I feel like because he's not as that may be physical true. a comedian. Here's the big. Here's the biggest problem with the with the with the Martin remake. You oh, had Kevin yeah. Klein. I was in about it. to say, why Klein wasn't Klein? Been, yeah. Notice how Clouseau. Klein bailed. Oh the God, yeah. He was like Klein hey, would have been great trash. as yeah. Clouseau. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Klein, I, I've I've loved Klein's physical comedy oh, yeah. since mm. Pirates yeah. of Penzance, um, when he played the Pirate King, and then he turns around and gets an Oscar for A Fish Called Wanda Asshole. for his physical don't comedy. Forget, don't forget Fierce Creatures, and, and then and you, which and is like you have that, in that he's yeah. in all these prosthetics and playing all these different characters, and he's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you could have easily done that. Would you have loved to see him doing the prosthetics oh God, with the deflating parrot <laughs> on his shoulder and trying to keep it legit looking? 
No, I absolutely. If you've got Kevin Klein in your movie and you're doing the Pink Panther, oh, the exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even the last three out. Peter Sellers yeah. Pink Panther movies yeah. are kind of a tough watch uh, at times. At times, so, uh, but oh. but the first couple are cl- yeah. true classics. But what yes. they did with it with Steve Martin with that horrible, horrible fresh French accent that he couldn't keep mm. throughout the whole movie. It was it was really bad. William was just laughing his ass off at the hamburger scenes, and it was just like hamburger, hamburger. And it was just like I was wanted to throw things at the TV. I really wanted to. But we're laughing right now. Does that mean that it's good? No, no you're, you're laughing at my attempt <laughs> at trying to do it. We're la- we're laughing at it, yeah. not with yeah. it, right? <laughs> Not, right. <laughs> Critical difference. Thank you. Adrian, what's another one that uh, you need to draw attention to? I th- I'm super happy, guys, that we've all kind of diverted our attention towards sequels that impact the previous movies. Because I actually wrote a note. I was like, why are so many of mine like that? But it makes sense, right? So I'm going to come in with, I think we're all going to be on board with this. I can't imagine anyone not being on board with not wanting to see anything beyond Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw the fourth Terminator movie and I said, I'm done. I didn't, I haven't watched it's, a single Terminator. I don't care I, about the I Terminator I don't think franchise. I made it past the second one. I don't think I've seen any beyond the second one. I saw actually. the, oh, I saw the third great. one, but I didn't see anything past that. I saw the third one and the fourth one. And yeah. that, and yeah, that Rise done. of the Machines. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I, I agree. I, was, I agree. It's like, there's that, that was a turning point for me. Just awful. Like I actually have. Term- I wrote Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines, and then I was like, and beyond, because <laughs> it was just you know they're, they're they're so bad. And I've watched all of them and wanted you know and and uh, term- Genesis, the thing that that he came back to do after he returned, is actually so bad that it's almost like a schlock. Uh, yeah, like you could almost do a mystery science theater kind of spin on it. But my girlfriend Jess had never seen any of the Terminator movies. It's like great put on the first one she watched the first one the new transfer and she's like that's fantastic we went to the cinema to see cameron's uh, restoration of the second one she's like that was really good i preferred the first one i was like that's great never watch anything else like, you got it <laughs> the darn chin didn't make another one after these. I could have made a third one of these yeah um um yeah i i um i, I think you can go back and listen to our summer movie previews where I just slam Transformer Genisys <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or uh, Terminator Genisys um, repeatedly. Um, and, and I think I even said it was going to be my flop yeah. for the summer. Uh, either that or I picked it to win the summer. <laughs> one of two. Um, and because uh, I'm just bad at picking those. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you just, there's a moment when, when, you, when you pitch the perfect yeah. game. And you should just put your glove and ball Walk down away. and go home. It, it, go out in a high note. I, I say, yeah. you know, it, it, when after Cameron does your sequel, you should probably just stop there. And I'm talking about the Alien franchise as well. Oh, yeah. Agree. <laughs> no, that's a good yeah. one, Mikey. That is Kinda. a really good one. I, I saw yeah. number three once. I actually saw four once, too. And I haven't gone back for anything ever since. I didn't. I didn't watch the Alien versus Predator stuff. I didn't watch the stuff Ridley Scott did as the prequels. I just, it just, yeah. I just did not have any interest Mythias. in any of those. 
I haven't tapped out of the they Alien sh- series yet. I keep I keep going back for more. I'm I'm a glutton for punishment as far as that goes. But uh, I I was actually excited when Ridley Scott came back on board. I was like, this is going to be oh oh boy, yeah. <laughs> and, and like they they shot um, Covenant, you know, like the Ridley's second yeah. one. They shot it just down the road, like they mm-hmm. shot it at Fox here in Sydney. And and I was working on a project when it was shooting and, you know, I had my pass. And so I just went in and I was going around the sets and I saw him and I saw a bunch of them walking around. I was like, okay, this looks pretty cool. Hopefully they've learned the lesson from Prometheus. (laughs) (laughs) You can't go home again, Ridley. No, You can't go home again. Just stop, guys. But they're doing more. They're doing a new TV thing. So I will say this. Marvel Comics just put out issue one of their new alien series and it actually is pretty decent i would recommend mm, that cool the alien isolation game is a fantastic use of that ip and is a brilliant like simulation of what it would be like to actually be hunted by this creature like you can't fight it you can only kind of hide from it it stalks you all around the whole game uh and i was like okay this makes me feel like i'm in the first movie that should kind of just be the third one and then that's it <laughs> Alex, what's another one on your list? Okay. Um, I'm actually going to go a little obscure. Um, And I have to preface this. This was a movie that when I saw it in high school, and I saw it on cable, um, I thought was one of the coolest movies I've ever seen in my life. And 20 years later, I would find it on DVD. And I snatched it up, and I called my buddies, and I said, guys... Tonight, we're meeting at my apartment. We're going to eat pizza. We're going to watch this amazing film that I watched. And it was from Saban Entertainment. Um, And uh, this was Canada's first full-length animated film. Oh, I remember that one. Rock and Rule. Rock and Rule is about a post-apocalyptic world where the only thing that lived were rats, uh, uh, cats, and dogs. And they all become uh, uh, anthropomorphed. Um, through radiation and whatnot. And long story short, too late. Uh, it's the mm-hmm. it's the devil and Daniel Webster, but it features music from Blondie and Cheap Trick and and all this stuff. And I'm like when I was when I was in high school, I'm like, man, this is awesome. And I rewatched the movie again, and it's 98 minutes long, and there's enough plot for 14 minutes, and there's two montages. And a music video from Earth, Wind, and Fire in the middle of it, and it's still not strong enough to be a bully. <laughs> it so movie. wanted to be heavy metal. It really. <laughs> it so wanted to be heavy metal, and in fact, Universal bought the rights to the movie to bury wow. it, and it almost bankrupted Saban. Wow. And if it had bankrupted Saban and it didn't sell the rights to to uh, Universal or Paramount, whichever one did. Uh, 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 heavy metal, which I'm thinking might be MCA now I'm thinking about it. But um, if they hadn't sold the film rights to it, Saban would have been out of business. We wouldn't have got the Power Rangers. We wouldn't have got the Barney. Wow. Two out of three ain't bad, dude. <laughs> I know, right? But still. What a great, what a great timeline that yeah. could be. <laughs> I know, right? But the but the thing is, I mean, it's it really, I mean, it's it's the animation's good. The story concept is good. So this Nothing is a movie is. you regret rewatching. This is a movie I regret rewatching. I got a whole bunch of those as well, guys. We can do another episode of those. That's another four-hour episode right there. I could have. 
Is this this bad? Yeah, I could have easily just gone, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I could have faked it, but wow, I you know, and then oh at the end I'm just like, wow, I was not cool in high school. Um it's not a critique. Were any of us? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You, yeah, Mike, Mike was. was. Yeah, you're right. Favor was. Favor, yeah, favor. was. I, I was cool favor in high school, was. but it was just in my own head. Exactly. <laughs> I, I was my biggest fan. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna get down to uh, a final round here. Um, and I look, I I can't say I regret going to see this movie because it was a movie that uh, I. I had all the hope in the world for this was probably the most excited I ever was for a movie project. My, one of my uh, idols as a filmmaker had made this project of one of my favorite books ever uh, an adaptation of one of my favorite novels ever. And it just seemed like it was meant to be, it was going to be the perfect, the perfect experience. And it was the most disappointing I think I've ever come out of a movie theater and and that is uh Steven Spielberg's War of the World. Oh. Ooh. I uh uh you want to talk about making movies um about daddy issues. Spielberg is the king. Um and uh and this one he basically took a a a, a classic H.G. Wells tale and made it about daddy issues. And I don't know how he would have got that impression from reading that book it's not in the book at all it's not what the book is about at all um and it i mean not only talking about you know just missing the opportunity and deciding to make it you know the way he made it but also visually i found it boring um the there was nothing nothing whatsoever uh that i could say that was good about it and I, I was, like I said, I was disappointed. And I, I, I not only do I, gr- I don't regret going to see it. I regret that he made it <laughs> wow. and all the decisions he made therein. And I know some people like it, but maybe they just don't have the uh, love for the original material that I do. I don't know. I mean, everybody's different, but that movie, uh, ooh, that one hurt a lot. It's interesting, you know, I, I too am a huge fan of the Wells novel. I love all of, you know, Wells, Verne, all that jazz. Um, and so when this was coming, I was like, great. Can't wait. Now, I, I probably, I think I probably responded to it a little bit better than, than you did, just because I was like, they, they included elements from the book. I was like, I never thought they're going to have that bit with Tim Robbins. Like, I was like, wow, like, you know, and you know, that's lifted from yes. the book. So I'm just like, oh, wow. So this is, there's stuff that they're honoring, but, I mean, Mike, every single one of Steven Spielberg's movies is about dads. Every mm-hmm. single one. You find me a Steven Spielberg movie that's not about dads, I'll, I'll tell you how it's about I think dads. he's gotten a little so, bit better the last few years. But, uh, it's true. Yeah, it's uh, true. I'm not, I'm not knocking I think, him. I, I, think, love, I, think, I love Spielberg, I think, but I'm just saying every single one. I think, the, like, I think he's got it out of his system in the last, like I'd say, maybe five years or so. But uh, that one was the culmination for me. It was just too bad. It's true. Like, I, it's you true. know, this is... Reading about it, I was like, oh, my God, the guy who made Saving Private Ryan and the guy who made E.T. <laughs> War of the Worlds is like the perfect genesis of both of those movies. And he, you know, he's I'm going to respectfully disagree with you across the board. Whoa. Because in 2005, we had the 40-year-old virgin 
Wedding Crashers, and War of the Worlds. And I'm telling you, those were three of the funniest damn movies that I saw that year. <laughs> and if you go into if you go into War of the Worlds thinking it's a comedy, you will enjoy yourself. Well, the machines make a I'm... farting noise every time they dump their load. Uh, <laughs> you've got the weird Tim Robbins as a pedophile sequence, uh, which, by the way, one scene, never again. Um, you have from the book, you have Tom Cruise insisting on carrying somebody who's two and a half inches taller than him throughout the entire film. This is comedy gold, dude. I think you were looking at it wrong. I I definitely wish I uh, was looking at it with uh, those MST3K ears, like uh, eyes and ears, because that would have been that. Yeah, that's it's ripe for that. Yeah, oh, Ooh, it really I, is. It hits a little too close to the heart for me. Um, uh, Don, what's one last one for you? Uh, well, since somebody uh, since somebody brought up comedy, this this one's uh, supposed to be funny. Uh, it's fairly recent, I believe. It's on Netflix right now with Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfus which I would think would be a good combination. It's called The Last Laugh. Hmm. And what that is, Chevy Chase plays an agent. They're in a retirement home together with Richard Dreyfus, who plays a retired stand-up comedian. And anytime you have a non-comedian actor playing a stand-up comedian, it's going to suck. And this movie, I mean, I love Chevy Chase, uh, 15 years ago, uh, Richard Dreyfus is most of his <laughs> career, uh, except maybe Krippendorf's tribe was fantastic. And, but this movie was just absolute hot garbage. Anytime you have, I guess as a stand-up comedian and an actor, I realize that not every actor can play a comedian just as not every comedian is going to be a good actor. And, uh, Richard Dreyfus is a stand-up comic was not a uh, not even close. Yeah. The casting sounds reversed yeah, it on that one. It's backwards. Like, well, Chevy like Chase wasn't 100%. a stand-up comic either. That's why he sucked as a talk show host because he couldn't think quick enough to be a comic. If it's not scripted, he sucks. Damn. <laughs> you haven't watched the clips from the Chevy Chase show? Look them up on oh, YouTube, yeah. guys. It's it bad. is a trip. <laughs> you could actually watch the fish in the aquarium die behind him. <laughs> yes they're like, not oh dying as much as he is <laughs> yeah that's true that's true that's wow it. that is all right so no streaming that one uh uh adrian what you got for us for your last pick guys i'm gonna round it out with uh another sequel a threequel a movie that i was really excited to see but had bad feelings about and when i saw it they were confirmed bill and ted face the music oh. the mm. recent third bill and ted movie uh which sucked it kind of did it kind of and did. and uh i don't bear anyone Ill, any ill will for it but uh no no that bad stop okay no spoiler I'm alerts because i haven't watched i'm kidding i don't care okay cool well, then <laughs> that's the, oh. I'm, I'm kidding i really telling, don't care telling everybody that it's, it's a waste of time isn't that a spoiler alert that's <laughs> true it's true. <laughs> the ultimate spoiler oh, um, it depends on uh, whether or not you're expecting a waste of time. And I, I fully was. So now it's right. ruined for me. I don't even have to waste that time now. <laughs> As someone who is quite partial to those first two movies, yikes. On the third mm. Well, I think, uh, yeah, we reviewed that last year and uh, it was mixed. Our, uh, you know, uh, I get it. And I think it had the luxury of coming out with the way it did because we were so starved for 
mm. entertainment, especially uh, with a good message. And I think that, uh, you know, that that was one thing about it that I appreciated at that time. Uh, it's got it's got hot. I'll, I'll, I'll give you yeah, that yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, uh, Alex? Um, as far as my last one, or, or am I going to say something? Last one. Okay. Well, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, Bill and Ted. No, I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to decide between two. I have uh, one that everybody has seen and one that everybody hasn't. Um, and I've already done one of the everybody hasn't seen it. So I'm, I'm not going to mention Treasure of the Four Crowns in 3D. And instead, I'm going to focus on uh, Academy Award winning Chicago. Wow. Ooh. Saw it it in theaters in a sneak preview and they were actually taking quotes from people as we were going out of the film. And um, everybody was like, oh, it was fantastic. Oh, I loved it. Oh, it's going to be the best picture, blah, blah. And they came up to me and I went, it was craptastic. And the one went, oh, crap. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, best. the DVD cover. And it was one that, that Tally and I, we were we were dating at the time, saw that movie, came out, and both of us were like, How do you make a movie that bad? And the only highlight for it, the only good thing that came out of it is I can now use the phrase Academy Award nominated actress, Queen Latifah. Other than that, total two hours wasted. And the only benefit I got from it was I didn't buy a ticket. Mm. There you go. Yeah, I, I've seen it. enough of that to know mm. I don't want to watch the whole thing, so we're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not what you want. I, I did see it in the theater, and it was one of those ones where I hadn't seen the stage play. So after I watched it, I was like, oh, that was the big deal? I don't really get it. So I guess I still <laughs> mm. haven't gotten yeah. it, so I need to see the stage play at some point. And the cast is so Good. I mean, oh, yeah. John C. Riley, Richard Gere, Catherine Zeta-Jones, or as I call her, Mrs. Creepy Old Guy, um, Renee <laughs> Zellweger. You know, it's amazing cast. John C. Riley's Mr. Cellophane uh, is is an absolute. And of course, you know, Academy Award nominated actress Queen Latifah um, being in it. I mean, it's probably the last time Richard Gere was like in the zeitgeist, right? Like that was the last time Richard Gere I was. I think the last movie. time anybody. He mentioned Richard Gere was shortly after Crippendor's tribe, uh, which I'm just so excited to have gotten to mention tonight. Um, so I, I just, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like you have all of this amazing talent and you just produce a turd. Um, and it won Best Picture. Yep. Yep. Ooh. The fair share of confidence. Sometimes the Academy does get it wrong. Uh, the shocker, I know. Crash. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. Woof. It's getting late. All right, Mike. So round us out. End us. End the show on a on another bad note. Oh, I guess. well, this one's gonna be a little <laughs> kind of controversial because a lot of people love this movie, and I just sat there. He's probably thinking. He's probably talking about me. No, I sat. I no, I sat there and I was like, really. Really, I hear radio shows quoting this movie and playing clips of it all the time. And I just sat there and I was like, okay, this is supposed to be funny, huh? I don't, and I didn't find it funny at all. And I'm talking about Napoleon Dynamite. Ooh, ah, interesting. I've never seen that one. So, yeah, and I'm not, I'm, it, <laughs> you know, it, everyone's like, oh, it's one of the best comedies ever. It's, it's great. It has so many quotable things that, and Napoleon is just great. And, you know, and it was, 
I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. When's it getting good? When's it getting good? When's it getting good? And I just did not like it. I just sat there. I had to look at my watch pipe like every five minutes. That's how much I didn't like it. It was it was like of its time, and there was like a niche. Well, I'm not niche, right? Everyone was into it, but yeah, I I, I kind of saw it and was like, huh? I did kind of see it late as well, and I was like, yeah, what? I don't know what all the the hype was about it, and it was just a. It's kind of also just completely evaporated from. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it really has. No yeah. one, yeah, it's like it was, Game yeah. of Thrones. Yeah, Thank exactly. <laughs> but yeah, so that was my last one. And it's just like, I'm, I'm sorry if you're a huge Good fan. Call. And I, it just didn't do it for me. I, I remember seeing yeah. that movie and sitting there and watching it. And it, it just, it drags. Mm-hmm. The whole movie just drags. And I'm sitting there going, I don't understand it. What is it that I'm not getting mm-hmm. out of this that I should be? And then the dance sequence hits at the end. And that's the end of the movie. And I remember, I remember the first time I saw it, I like, I'm like, I'm, I hate this movie. I hate this movie. I hate this movie. I hate this movie. Hits the ending. And I'm like, this film is genius. And, <laughs> it, and it's, it's, it's all memes. The whole movie is nothing but memes. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much that's like, it's memes. That's like, it's, it's for that <clears throat> niche, but it's like, it's for a, a sensibility of that time and place with a kind of, yeah, it's like a punk kind of thing, but yeah, it's exactly. memes. I had to, a great way to put it. It's a troll. The whole I had to go a see troll. if it was a, you know done by Jerry Seinfeld because it was a movie about nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There was, yeah, it's true yeah. about nothing. Which I, I yeah. have to say, I like Napoleon Dynamite right. better than Seinfeld yeah. movie, the TV series because <laughs> I got nothing. There, there you go. <laughs> Islander Two, I will watch before Saturday. <laughs> gentlemen we've got to do the seinfeld matrix sequels <laughs> highlander 2 podcast where i turn everyone around a- adrian right. changes the day that's what it should be called that's it well that, that's right that concludes our rants for the the hour uh so um yeah let us know what you guys thought i'm sure there was ones the uh, movies that we picked that you disagreed with so feel free to let us know let us have it both barrels and uh, if there's anything we missed certainly uh if there's a movie that uh you regret watching, uh, let us know, and we will bring it up next time uh, on this show. We have this discussion. Uh, thanks, guys, and we'll be right back, and we'll close out the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about Solar Opposites Season 2. Solar Opposites Season 2 is now out on Hulu, and it is an entire season of hilariousness. For those who didn't hear me talk about Season 1 a few months ago, Solar Opposites is a show about an alien family that landed on Earth after their planet blew up. It is made by the creators of Rick and Morty, but that is about the only connection those two shows have. Well, other than the voice actors, they have some of the same voice actors. Solar Opposites is nothing like Rick and Morty. The humor is funny and awkward. There are two storylines going on during the show, the alien antics and the people who were shrunk by the alien kids and put into the wall of their house. The wall storyline is really amazing and you really want to know what happens to those little shrunk people. We learned a lot about the aliens and the people in the wall this season, from the first small child being born from someone in the wall 
to finding out that there's another set of aliens in London who were a rich elite class of aliens who left the planet way before the other aliens found out that it was going to explode. All in all, this season was fantastic. It had me laughing a lot. Also, the episode titles add to the comedy of the episodes. And the pupa has to be my favorite character, though, especially after the last two episodes of this season. They are just so funny to me, and I love how they are watching the people in the wall like a television show. It's just hilarious to me. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Like. Like. Melissa Mars, yes, just like the planet, is the creator of the short film The Last Touch, an official selection of the Miami International Sci-Fi Film Festival. Melissa, welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, I, I definitely loved your film. Thank you. If you can give our audience just a brief walkthrough so they can learn to love the film. Uh, so it's a couple who struggles to um get through the, their intimacy like we've lost intimacy it's a it's a new world where we have lost intimacy due to our devices and our artificial intelligence and it's just a moment of their life uh that we we see we witnessed like how would it be for me it was like really how would it be like if we became so addicted so um yeah hypnotized by our devices that sure. we completely lose touch with one another we're so connected that we actually are disconnected yeah yeah if uh, we're, we're not already on the path to this it's, it's certainly this film heeds as a bit of a bit of a warning yeah resetting You are all set for a sweet, safe night. Lay down to complete the sleep mode, motion control activation. Now, one of the things that I found a bit, frankly, disturbing uh, <laughs> about the film was just how natural and almost comfortable uh, our characters are with, with all of this. But there is just a hint, uh, just a nuance that comes through that not all is necessarily ideal. I love that. I love that you noted that. And um, yeah, that's, that's true. They, in the story, they have gotten used to that. But the incident that reminds them of life, how it was before, is the reminder of, of uh, the discomfort. And, you know, like, it's almost like they're blinding themselves into this new world. They have to go with it and accept it. Uh, but when incidents happen, that's when um, we remember. Well, everyone, you'll need to see the film for yourselves. But <laughs> the that moment of remembrance is very powerful. I think you'll be as moved as much as I was. Thank you. Now, The Last Touch was also an official selection at the Pittsburgh Shorts Festival, the Lajif in Spain, and the Midwest Weird Fest. Uh, yes. What's been like navigating your, well, your baby, so to speak. <laughs> See the film, you'll get the pun, everybody. Uh, yes. <laughs> what's it been like navigating uh, your film through these festivals, and what kind of reception have you received? Well, that's very interesting uh, because um, 
as a as a filmmaker, I have been very shy with festivals in the past. I attended festivals as an actress, or you know, as even as a jury member. Um, but as a filmmaker, originally when I made my first uh, short movie in France, you know, the the circuit of short movies is is kind of different over sure. there. Uh, they're free because they are uh, they have grants from from uh, you know the government. Right. And so that was something I was very um, scared of and intimidated by. So when I came here and I made this short, originally I was just gonna live it as that, as a proof of concept or something, because I'm developing sure. it as a further, you know, like as a pilot and also a, a story. And um, and then the COVID happened. And I was like, I have this movie that, you know, like it was edited, it, it existed in a form that was not the finished one, right. or the one that you saw, but the previous editing. And um, and I was like, I need to finish this because now I feel almost like behind the time because even though even though the, the virus that is preventing people from touching each other in, in the movie is electronic and it's another thing, you right. know? Um, I felt like we were, you know, uh, the first time I went to Trader Joe's, just running errands, uh, post pandemic, uh, you know, um, not post pandemic, but you know, like post the start of the pandemic. Right, right. Uh, I was scared. I was, I was like, this looks like what I have been imagining for the world, like right. developing the world. And right. I was like really scared because <laughs> I had imagined that. And it was for me, it was a dystopian world. It was something that was not supposed to exist. Uh, and I had time with it, but um, seeing it um, re really triggered for me the, the desire to finish it and to complete it. And then I started submitting to festivals and, and I, guess my experience has only been virtual um so i can't even compare to another festival as a filmmaker again because i did attend festivals um in person um uh, before that but as an actor or jury and it's so strange yes <laughs> it is yes. it's um uh the first one was the pittsburgh film festival and uh, it was virtual and I was at home and, and you know, the blocks of shorts were to be watched on the computer. And I was like, but I did watch my shorts like a thousand <laughs> times on the right. same right. computer. <laughs> so that's really isolating. And um, that's the opposite of what a festival is meant to be like. You exactly. Know, uh in person and all together and i was like this is so crazy that my first festival filmmaker is with this movie where people can't touch and i'm here behind the screen watching it wild <laughs> i tried to after that first moment where i was very not disappointed but I felt isolated in my bubble and uh, I just had my composer who was uh, in Michigan and we were watching it, it together. We were like, okay, let's just watch it in the same time to have the illusion where <laughs> you have the illusion <laughs> there's that you're another spectator. Sure, right. Uh, but after that, I decided to not let this beat me down and I started to, you know, I watched other shorts. I was very, it was very inspiring to watch others uh, work. 
you know, that was selected. Right. And then I started to try to find them on Instagram and uh, connect. And I was like, well, that's what I would do in the festival. I would go and chat with them. You so would network. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So let's try to do that virtually since that's the new world. <laughs> that's yeah. No, absolutely. I spent all day yesterday reaching out to people all over the planet yeah. and bring them all together for a few minutes today. Yeah. And I mean, there is uh, an advantage to it is like, like True. you just said, like you can reach out to uh, like more globally, you know, with right. uh, an audience and filmmakers. Like, I don't know if I would have been able to go to Miami at this specific moment. I don't know what my life would have been in the normal right. uh, circumstances. So I'm happy that I can see the movies and, and try to connect. And, and they're doing a great job also at connecting us all together uh through whatsapp so uh, the festival miami festival that's cool that's cool yeah you know (laughs) i'm going to be curious after all of this what elements of these virtual festivals and conventions that they actually hold on to and carry forward exactly global but also together yes yeah Yeah, that'll that'll be exciting I'm, i'm looking forward to that too same here friend same here so where can everyone find you out on the internet? Sure. Um, well, so I am on uh, the main platforms like Twitter at Melissa Mars and Facebook is also slash Melissa Mars and Instagram. It's Melissa Mars official because someone took Melissa Mars. Melissa Mars <laughs> yeah, right. So that's, uh, those are my profiles. I have a website and I'm really reachable. Like I like, connecting with people like right. I was explaining so right. I, I I tend to respond to people uh the short is for now in festivals right and um until that run is uh over and then I I guess I'll put it somewhere online so that more people can see it everyone I guess we'll just have to uh jump online and get on board with the Miami International Sci-Fi Film Festival so you can see yeah. Melissa Mars, her film, The Last Touch, which you also star in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, Melissa, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, It's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Want to thank our guests for being here. Don, you made it through your first episode with us. I survived. I survived. It's, it was it was it was close for a while. I was on edge, but I made it. Yeah, you, you started picking up your chair and was ready to hit somebody over the head with it. <laughs> I was like, wait, this isn't the WWE. Come on, come right, on. Right. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about, sir? 
Uh, uh, check out my IMDb page, imdb.me slash Donald Smith. I got a couple of movies I'm starting to work on. Uh, actually, I have four projects that are coming up within the next couple of months, so I'm excited about. Uh, you can still find old episodes of the Life Radio Show if you go to the life1069.com. Who knows? Maybe someday I'll, I'll make new ones, but uh, there's 500 and some you can check out on there uh, for the hell of it. Even the one with me and you t- just chatting for an hour or so. Yeah, yeah. It was actually kind of fun. Yeah. I like how it goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who's not coming back onto the show. <laughs> and also, Adrian, thank you, my friend. Thank you so much to ha- have me back, guys. It was a blast. Anything you, wanna, again, anything you want to promote? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, like, um, hit me up on Instagram and Twitter, Adrian J. Powers. Uh, you, my YouTube channel is Adrian Powers Filmmaker. Check out my short film, Brolga, which we spoke about a few weeks ago there. And um, the Netflix series that I was one of the writers on, Dive Club, is coming out in a month or two uh, internationally. So keep an eye out for that as well. Excellent, my friend. And it's always great to have you on here. We'll have you, you up for more movie talk eventually. You Please. Know, when we could fit you in, you know, because you're just <laughs> so popular. <laughs> and Alex Autry, thank you, my friend. Uh, it's a pleasure. I always... Uh, a blast getting to talk movies with you guys, and um, this one was uh, certainly, certainly uh, uh, an interesting episode. So I was glad to be a part of it. Oh, most definitely. Anything you want to shout out about? I never have anything to shout out about, except that I will say this: uh, we are missing uh, Ashley right now, uh, but for a very, very good reason. So congratulations, Ashley. Uh, your daughter is gorgeous. So. Yeah, absolutely. For, first it was COVID, then it, it was, was a transmission. Car. Yeah, now yeah. she has a baby. Yeah, you know? she will do anything to get out of watching the commitments, and I told you yeah. I'd get that in there. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Ashley. We are so all excited for you Love from you. all of us here on absolutely. the PSO Network. Absolutely, most definitely, and you know, I can't wait to see her in her first Star Wars costumes. It's going to be great. Baby Grogu, just saying. (laughs) And Mr. Mike Gordon, we made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you got to shout out about, sir? Well, uh, unfortunately, it's not uh, always a great day when our uh, the current state that we live in, Georgia, makes the news. And a couple weeks ago, um, there was an incident that made national news, and it should have for all the wrong reasons. Um, and I, even though it's now, you know, no longer on page one, I just wanted to, you know, remind everybody that, uh, you know, that we stand with all those people who are affected by recent violence. Uh, we stand in solidarity with the Asian community, all victims of hate, uh, Pacific Islanders as well. Um, look, uh, there's a, a link on, on our show notes, uh, gofundme.com slash AAPI. Um, we, we must try harder to be better. Uh, so there's some suggestions there and, uh, let's, 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 let's make sure that this is like the few, uh, this happens less and less often. Yeah. And our hearts go out to our friends in Boulder, Colorado also. Yes. Yeah. Two, two, twice in two weeks. That's, it's getting crazy, you know, and I hope this isn't a thing happening with more and more people getting out and moving around and you know, getting their inoculations and everything. Hopefully we won't see more instances like this because people are feeling free and crazy, but you know, we don't want to have to keep on apologizing and reporting on this crap. This is ridiculous and something needs to be done about it. And I, 
it's just crazy. And, you know, folks, I did bring it up a second ago. Inoculations are happening and they're more and more available. If you get a chance, please get your shots. You know, it's not going to hurt you. They're not putting radio chips in you. They're, Bill Gates has no wait, interest wait, in wait, that's why Bill I, Gates that's has why no up. interest in in basically tracking you. But no, it's just it's not going to happen, folks. And this is your chance to do something for somebody else. You getting your shot is your chance to Start creating a herd immunity. Start creating, you know, being able to see your friends again in person. I would love to be able to go and do lunch with Mike Gordon or Alex Autry because they only live a couple blocks from me. But, you know, we can't do that right now because of COVID. But Heck, we'd even love it if, like, Adrian's country would let us in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would love to get back to being able to visit you guys. So, to be fair, I can't go to Adrian's country for entirely different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> they just have his picture up on the sign in the board. Yeah, like a land. Oh, that's you. Right. Yeah. You're the one in the photo. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Side so, profile. Exactly. There we go. <laughs> so please, folks, get your shots. It, it, I've gotten my first one. Mike's gotten his first one. And a few other friends of ours have. It doesn't hurt. And the age groups are dropping in every state in the United States. I know in Canada and I know other countries, too, are slowly getting back to normal because they've had shot their shots going on in more of a process that was working properly. And I'm not preaching. I am not preaching. I just want to get back to see everybody. I want to go to Dragon Con. I want to be able to be with my family for Thanksgiving. I would love to have trick-or-treaters for Halloween. You know, it's not that far-fetched. And if we all do this now, we'll be able to reap the rewards later. So please, let's do it. You know, that's all I'll say about it. You won't hear me bitch about it. You won't have me moan about it. Maybe after I get my second shot, I might be moaning. But that's a whole different story. But I just wanted to say thank you guys for listening. Next week, we have the king here. We are returning. We have the the brawl to end it all. Two kings. That's right. The king of monsters and the king of Kong. That's right. Godzilla versus Kong. And it's going to be a lot of fun to talk all about it. And it'll be interesting. And, you know, we'll have a great conversation about it. But thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at www.nsclivetv.com. Remember, you can find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. Yeah, we're not too proud to beg on this show. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Alex Autry, Don Smith, and Adrian Powers, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Hug your loved ones and definitely get your shots. Peace, and we are done. Yay! Yay. Awesome. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. 
Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.